Good morning. Uh, today, uh, we're going to continue our sermon series on the book of Zechariah. Okay? Today, I want to ask us, how is your heart? Can you, get, can you raise your hand? Ayaw talaga, no? Pareho pa rin. No? Two years na ganun. Can you raise your hand? Taas nyo, taas. Yeah. Hawakan nyo yung heart mo. Oh, tumitubok ba ba? May laman pa ba yan? How's your heart today? I want to ask you, are we grateful for this life that we have? Are we thankful? Or has our life been filled with anxiety, hopelessness, fears, and worries? No, ang kalaban natin ngayon, with this pandemic, is really yung mental health natin. We're so afraid to get COVID. Are you afraid to get COVID? Alam mo ako, inaantay ko nga yung September, sa totoo lang. Oo, inaantay ko yung September. Kasi last year, September, doon ako na COVID. Na-hospital ako, di ba? So doon ako, medyo inaantay ko na, mako-COVID kaya ako this year o hindi. No, that, that's reality. That's my... Kalaban ko ngayon, no? Will I stay home buong September? <laughs> diba? But no, I have to trust God and continue on. I have to trust God and continue on. As followers of Christ, we must learn also in life sometimes to step back and look at the bigger picture of life. That there is hope in Jesus Christ. That one day, Jesus is coming again. And when He comes again, he will set us free from all these pain and sufferings that we are going through. So the question that um, we want to answer today in Zechariah 9 is, how sure are we that Jesus is coming again? Now, how sure are we that Jesus is coming again? And how can we trust this prophecy in Zechariah 9? How can we trust that this prophecy will really happen. You know, today we're going to focus on uh, verse 9 to 17, but we also need to look at verse 1 to 8 of Zechariah 9 because the verses from 1 to 8 no, are proof that the prophecy of Zechariah can be trusted. You see, in Zechariah 9, verse 1 to 8, God used Alexander the Great to judge Israel's enemies and to spare Israel. And this happened around 100 years after Zechariah prophesied about it. So in history, it is recorded that Alexander the Great conquered Syria, uh, Phoenicia, and Felicia. Now, Phoenicia refers to uh, Tyre and Sidon in verse 2 to 3 of chapter 9. And Felicia refers to Ashkelon, Gaza, and Ekron in verse 5. So the amazing thing was that God no, chose to spare Israel, okay? And Alexander the Great fulfilled the prophecy that was written in chapter 9, verse 1 to 8. So the point is, if God can use Alexander the Great, who is you know, not a believer, to be part of his plan, then surely God can make anything happen. God intentionally put verse 1 to 8 there as a historical fact. No? He put it there as a historical fact to draw our attention and to keep us focused, to make us believe that if I prophesied about this and it did happen, 
then of course the rest of my prophecy will surely come to pass. So let's go to um, Zechariah 9, okay, verse 9. We're going to try to go verse by verse here this morning. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. No, una, sabi niya, rejoice and shout aloud. Now, why? When do people usually rejoice and shout? Of course, on weddings, di ba? Lahat masaya. Okay, birthdays, graduation. Zechariah says, we must rejoice and shout aloud. Why? Because Jesus is coming. Now, who is Jesus? Zechariah tells us uh, the four character traits of Jesus. Actually, Zechariah tells the Israelites that there are four character traits of Jesus. First, he is king. Okay, he is coming as a king. Not like uh, Alexander the Great na ganun na king, but he's coming as a different king. Then he says Jesus is going to be righteous. Jesus will be just and fair. Then Jesus is our Savior. He is salvation. A Savior that comes to serve and not to be served. And he is humble. Okay? Nasa verse, ayan, no? ayan nakasulat. No? Um, your king is coming to you. He's going to be righteous. He's going to have salvation. He's going to be humble. And he's going to come riding on a donkey. Okay? He's not going to ride a horse. A horse was what Alexander the Great um, rode in. A horse symbolized you know, war, symbolized power. But a donkey symbolizes peace. And that was how Jesus came. Uh, that's how Jesus is going to come. So Zechariah prophesied that we must rejoice because Jesus is coming. And Jesus did come in the New Testament. That was his first coming. And I just want to show you, uh, this happened in all the gospel books. If you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, lahat to nakalagay that Jesus came. But I'll read from Matthew 21 verse 2. It says, saying to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. Uh, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. No? Referring to uh, Zechariah saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. So verse, uh, Zechariah 9 verse 9 is a prophecy of the first coming of Jesus. Okay, so that was the prophecy of the first coming. Now, in Zechariah 9 verse 10, Okay, Zechariah is now talking about the second coming of Jesus. Now we might be wondering, how is this possible? No, from 9, first coming, tos yung second, uh, second coming, verse 10. So the answer is, the Old Testament writers didn't see the church age. No, they don't see the church age. And so the gap in here, that's 2,000 years long now, is the old prophet, the Old Testament prophets didn't see it. So for the prophet Zechariah, Jesus comes as a king, righteous, 
uh, Savior and humble in heart. And he moves to Zechariah 9 verse 10, where it's referring to the second coming of Jesus. And it says, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. Okay? Um, and the battle bow shall be cut off. And he shall speak peace to the nations. And his rule shall be from sea to sea and from the rivers to the ends of the earth. Now, when Jesus comes again, there will be no more war. Now, when the second coming Jesus comes, there will be no more war, no more chariots, no more horses. The battle bow shall be cut off. It shall stop. Meaning, when Jesus comes again, there will be peace. Magkakaroon ng peace. His rule shall be from sea to sea. Now, that means it will be from one end to the other end. Peace shall reign worldwide in the whole world. And there will be peace on earth. In Zechariah 9 verse 11 naman, sabi, As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Now, what does this mean? As for you also, Zechariah is talking to Israel, because of God's blood covenant with you, I have already set you free from the waterless pit. Now, let me try to explain yung blood covenant ha, and how it happens. Remember in Genesis 15, okay, God's covenant with Abram. Um, ito yung verse. Sabi, look up at the heavens and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Uh, so shall your offspring be. Now, to seal his promise, God made a covenant. Okay, God made a covenant. So how does a covenant happen? Now, how does a covenant happen in the Old Testament? You see, in uh, Genesis 15 verse 9, sabi dun, bring me uh, a heifer, uh, three years old. No? So a heifer, actually, hindi ko ano heifer, so tinignan ko pa. A heifer is a young female cow that has not born a calf. Okay, so it's a young female cow na hindi pa nanganganak, okay? But after giving birth to her first calf, a heifer becomes a cow. It becomes a cow. Now, let's look at what are the animals needed to be prepared here for a blood covenant. Sabi sa Genesis 15, na, 15 verse 9, you have to bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, na three years old, a ram, na three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. No? Parang grocery list no? ng mga filchay ito no? pag magpa-party. Okay? Abram understood what God was asking him to do. He understood the custom and that this what was what was needed for the blood covenant or the contract signing. Then, in Genesis 15 verse 10, it says, cut them in two. No, you have to cut them in two and place each in opposite side. No? Hiwain mo, tapos lagay mo sa tigi-isang side. And again, Abram knew what God wanted him to do. So the custom, no, yung kinagawin dati of this time, is covenants were made by sacrificial cutting of animals with the split bodies of the animals lying on the ground. A covenant was made when the parties involved walked through the animal parts. Okay? So, 
to, for a covenant to happen, the animals have to be split on each side, and yung two parties that are agreeing on that covenant have to walk through. So you see, a covenant is a serious business, for it involves the shedding of blood. But now, in Genesis 15 verse 12, it says, As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. So, Abram knew eh. Diba? May covenant sila ni God. Alam niya. And alam ni Abram, they have to walk through. Pero nakatulog siya. Okay, nakatulog siya. A deep sleep came upon him. So, in Genesis 15 verse 17, this is what it says, And it came to pass when the sun, okay, it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. So what passed between those pieces? It was a smoking oven and a burning torch. Okay? So as Abram was asleep, God passed through the animals all by himself. In simple terms, God signed the covenant for both parties. He signed it for both parties. In the covenant ceremony, in this verse, the smoking oven and the burning torch were both God. He walked through it. So on that day, God made a covenant with Abram, but God took it upon himself, a sign for both parties to show that we humans merely enter the covenant by faith. The covenant God made with Abraham is based on who God is and not on who Abraham is. So God was making a promise with God. So he says in Zechariah 9.11, Because of the blood of my covenant with you. And let's make it clear, God does not break his own promises. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, the once-for-all offering, I have already sent forth the prisoners out of the waterless pit. The waterless pit here is usually where prisoners were thrown into. Like Joseph, the dreamer, he was thrown into a waterless pit. God says, Israel, you have been in an empty pit for a long time, but because of the blood of the covenant, you know, he says, because of the blood covenant, Israel, you can trust me, you can be sure, because this covenant is a promise I made with myself, and God does not break his promises. You're as good as out from the pit. So this is something that I, I think all of us can relate. Sometimes we feel like we are in an empty pit a waterless pit, meaning there are never-ending problems, a never-ending physical pain, never-ending financial problems, never-ending COVID symptoms. Diba? Uh, in our home, nung June, uh, na-COVID si Mrs. Tapos after niya ma-COVID, nung magaling na siya, na-COVID yung isang anak. Tapos after one week ng isolate, na-COVID na naman yung isa pa. Tapos after one day, na-COVID yung isa pa. Okay? So I literally stayed out of the house for one month 
Hindi ako makauwi. Every time uwi na ako, daddy, na-COVID. Sabi ko, mami, parang ayaw mo ako pauwiin. No? I felt like I was in a pit. No? Walang makain. No? Palaywaying, cosway. No? Lahat na nakain ko. Yung pugo doon, may pugo sa kanti chicken. Tapos may shomai doon na sa labas ng shakies, may shomai pala doon. Five pesos isa. No? Lahat nakain ko na. No? Lahat. Kasi nga, one month nasa labas. Feeling ko never ending. Okay? But, Remember, you know, in this covenant, God is with you because of the blood covenant, sabi niya, I have with you. Now, we can trust in God. Okay? In Zechariah 9 verse 12, it says, Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today, I declare that I will restore to you double. God is saying to the Israelites and to us today, Trust me. Return to your stronghold. Return to God. It's time that we return to Him, we lean on Him, because we can trust God. We return to your stronghold, and that is God, and I will restore to you double. God is going to bless you more. So let us return to God. Then, in verse 13 to 14, sabi niya, For I have bent Judah as my bow, I have made Ephraim its arrow, I will stir up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and wield you like a warrior sword. Then the Lord will appear over them, and his arrow will go forth like lightning. The Lord God will sound the trumpet and will march forth in the whirlwinds of the south. You see, Zechariah was prophesying that God was going to use Israel against Greece. And there's only one time in history when God ever used Israel to defeat Greece. And this happened in the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And scholars would say this would point to the Maccabean revolt in 175 to 163 BC. Again, it's found in history. So another prophecy actually happened. So again, so verse 1 to 8, Alexander the Great, that prophecy happened. And here in verse 13 to 14, scholars say the Maccabean revolt is referring to this 13 to 14, wherein um, God used Israel to defeat Greece. So God is telling us that Jesus is really coming again by showing us another prophecy that has occurred here in verse 13 to 14. In verse 15, it says, The Lord of hosts will protect them, and they shall devour and tread down the sling stones. They shall drink and roar as if drunk with wine, and be full like a bowl, drenched like the corners of the altar. Now, the Lord of hosts literally mean the Lord of armies. No, the Lord of armies. Now, the Lord of armies is on Israel's side and is going to protect them. That's what Zechariah is saying. The Lord of armies is going to be with you. It's going to protect you because God is on your side. God is on your side. And like a lion, they shall devour the enemy. Now, to devour... Uh, it's like conquering a nation. When you conquer a nation, you get everything. 
the resources, no, the power, no, the land. No, that's what it means. Okay? Israel will devour its enemies and get all its strength because the Lord of armies will protect them. And it says, they shall tread down, okay, tread down the sling stones. Um, they shall tread down the sling stones. They shall walk on the stones. They shall not be hurt. So the picture here is like whatever stone, you know, in the Old Testament, malalaki yung mga boulder na tinatapon. No? So the picture here is whatever is being hurled towards Israel, it will just bounce to the floor. No? So, parang mga superhero yung dating. Parang wala lang. Okay? And they will just walk over them. So, this is a picture of victory. The pic this is the picture of how Israel will be in victory. They will be a people who will celebrate and know victory. Even when enemies go against Israel, with God on their side, they will walk over the stones and shout for joy in victory. Now, it says here, uh, they will be full like a bowl, okay, drenched like the corners of the altar. Now, what does that mean? Uh, he likens them to, uh, yung, yung bowls. Now, in the Old Testament, itong mga bowls, okay, yung, yung bowl, were used to catch the sacrificial blood that was splattered on the altar. Yun yung tagasalo. Then, all the blood that was caught in the bowl, ginagamit ulit para splatter more. No? Para yung whole altar is splattered with blood. Okay? So you can imagine the altar is full of blood, okay? And how ugly it would be. So they, they will literally, no? uh, he says, be like bowls. They are used to splash blood all over the altar. Israel is going to see so much bloodshed of the godless when Jesus comes again. So at the end, there will be so much bloodshed, you will think you are the bulls. No? There will be so much bloodshed of the godless. So let's summarize, okay? Um, some things that we have learned so far, okay? So sabi ni Zechariah, let us rejoice for Jesus is coming again. No, um, Jesus is our King. He is uh, righteous. He is our salvation, and He is humble. In Jesus, we have peace and hope. And God does not break His promises. God is on our side, and there will be terrible judgment on the godless when He comes. There will be peace. No more wars, no more pain, no more suffering. There will be hope. No matter what trial or hardship we are facing today, we must have the faith of young prisoners who have the hope of one day getting out of the empty pit. God does not break His promises. He made a covenant with Himself and He will fulfill His promises. Because God's covenant is serious business. And let's finish with the last two verses. It says, On that day, the Lord their God will save them. 
as the flock of his people, for like the jewels of a crown, they shall shine on his land. Here, Jesus comes as the shepherd king who cares and saves his flock. This is the image of the second coming, that Jesus is coming like the shepherd king who cares and saves his flock. And lastly, for how great is his goodness and how great his beauty, grain shall make the young men flourish and new wine the young women. So Zechariah says, when Jesus comes again, there is only one response fitting for the King of Kings, and that is to praise God and to thank Him for choosing to save us, even if we don't deserve it. So as followers of Christ, may we live our lives with hope and with gratitude. And gratitude is a reflection of one's heart. So I'd like to ask, are we grateful for all that Jesus has done for us on the cross? Are we grateful that um, we know Christ? Are we grateful for having a bed to sleep on, you know, a, a car to drive, a job to provide for our needs, a family to go home to? Are we grateful for the gift of life? So to end, I hope this will be the attitude of our hearts, knowing that Jesus is going to come again. Let us be grateful, let us be thankful, and let us be hopeful. Because there is a King coming, and He is Jesus Christ. God bless everyone.